This podcast discusses violence, drug use, and other adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. All right, welcome back to another episode of Breaking Pod. This is season three, episode 11, called Abacue. And hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. I really have no idea other than what YouTube just told me to say. Uh, when I searched how to pronounce A-B-I-Q-U-I-U, the name of this episode. Here to break it down with me, as always, my co-host, Josh Goldman. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. We are fresh off last week's episode of one of the most divisive in Breaking Bad's history. But I think, you know, coming off of that, I I would say we both liked it. Is that right? Is that fair to say? We both like the episode Fly? Absolutely. I mean, would I want to watch episodes like The Fly 64 episodes straight? No, but no. I think it's a great change of pace episode. Just like in the uh, in the NFL, you need like a change of pace running back, you know? Exactly. Maybe exactly. Uh, maybe a trick yeah, play but... for some change of pace. That's kind of what this was, you know? A little change of pace action helps you think exactly. about the show a little bit more deeply. You know, I'm excited, though, to talk about this one, though, because it is a more traditional uh, Breaking Bad episode. We have most of the major characters who are featured and an important new character who gets introduced as well. So I think it's an exciting episode. It's fun. It's certainly not... Uh, on the ringer definitive list not ranked nearly as high but i do think it's still interesting and then of course we have two episodes left in the season after that which are both uh very fast-paced and very exciting episodes yeah before we get into the two-minute summary which we always do at the beginning let's just talk real quick about this abacue thing and again i may be pronouncing that incorrectly uh my half-ass internet research led me to one find the pronunciation abacue which very well could be wrong but two find that abacue is uh is not some sort of nickname for albuquerque but is a town about 53 miles north of Santa Fe uh, that uh, houses, among other things, the, the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum that Jesse and Jane visit. And we get some flashbacks to this museum in this episode. Not, not to be totally clear how those flashbacks integrate with the rest of this show, except that we have Jesse uh, making a new, a new uh, or having a new romantic interest in this episode. And so maybe that's some linkage to uh, Jane there. Um, but that's, that's what Abiquiu is all about. So, uh, there it is. Abiquiu, New Mexico, home of the Georgia O'Keeffe Museum. Yeah, I do. I, I do think we should maybe spend just like one or two minutes on this, this Jane flashback because it's the opening in the episode. It is not even mentioned in the two minute summary. So if you read the summary, you would not even know that she makes a guest appearance. We're talking about Kristen Ritter here, of course, who played Jane so well in, in uh, season two of the show before her untimely death. But one of the things that I wanted, that I that I thought, and you tell me if this is completely off base or or just uh, it could be possible that it's correct. But you know, she they they they're talking about how you know when they finish going through the museum, Jesse asks like why there were so many paintings of Georgia O'Keeffe's that look the same. He was like, what was the point of that? Was she just trying to perfect the same thing? And Jane responds that no, it's just that she was doing. The, the same kind of paintings over and over because there was something a little different every time that, you know, it's, I think she says, like, would we make love just one time, like, and, and, and call it quits or no, would you, would you do it again? Would you eat your favorite food just one time or would you say never again? And so I don't know exactly how it fits into this episode overall, but it must have something to do with, with how Jesse interprets what he's doing with his life or or what he's going to do moving forward. I, I don't know, but there's something about that, that idea of doing something over and over again because it's something that you enjoy or like or is good that I think Jane is trying to impart on Jesse here because he simply doesn't understand 
why Georgia O'Keefe paints the same thing over and over. Yeah, well, I'm going to do something unconventional here, Josh. I'm going to skip ahead to your best writing nomination because this definitely ties in. So your best writing nomination is a scene where Walt and Gus are having dinner together after Gus invites Walt over to his house. And they have this uh, tense little conversation after trying to make small talk where Gus says, I actually brought you here to give you some advice. What advice do you have for me? Never make the same mistake twice. So (laughs) I have to be honest with you, Josh. I don't know what's happening here, right? Like Gus, I'm pretty sure knows something is going on. He doesn't, of course, want to let on about all that he knows. One possibility that occurs to me is that Gus has figured out that Jesse is, in fact, scraping some meth off the top uh, and bilking the, um, uh, bilking the, bil- I guess, bilking Gus, right? Um, and this would then be the second time that Walt has gone into business with Jesse and has been the worst for it. So Gus could be warning about that. But otherwise, I don't really know what could be going on here. Um, it could be, I mean, I guess it could be about, uh, Walt using Saul Goodman to be kind of point man on his money laundering. That could be the same mistake twice, but it's not clear why Gus would think that the first time was a mistake. But I do think this is really important because it does provide a linkage, a a strange parallel between what Gus is saying here and, uh, what Jane said about Georgia O'Keefe when Jesse was complaining that Georgia O'Keefe was just doing the same thing over and over again. Jane's response was basically, it's not the same thing over and over again, right? There are subtle differences in, in what's being done here. So what do you make of this parallel? And what do you make of Gus's warning to Walt? My interpretation first of, of what, it, what it means was, was more in line with what you said first, which is, I think Gus knows what's going on with Jesse. I think he knows that he's being gypped out of a certain amount of product. And he's already warned Walt once about working with a junkie. That's what he's, that's what he calls Jesse when Walt first meets with him. And I think that it's not so much a warning like, Hey buddy, like watch out, this guy might be bad for you. It's more like a, Hey, if you don't get this under control, it will be, it will be bad for you from me. Like I will make you pay for it. So I think the warning isn't so much like, Hey, watch out for yourself because Jesse could cause you trouble. It's watch out for yourself or I will cause you trouble because I know what's going on. And I think Walt's reaction to this, the reason that I picked it as my best writing is not just for that little bit of dialogue, which is vague, but Walt's reaction is one of silence. And he sort of stares back at Gus and almost, he's almost admitting like that he, that he knows that the jig is up almost. And I think that it's important that we sort of see this moment. One, because, you know, Walt does need to be made aware that, that Gus knows something, but also two, that. This this battle between Gus and Walt is far from over, and I think that, you know, they're ostensibly partners, but Gus is much more intelligent than I think even Walt thinks sometimes. And so my interpretation is that, yes, Gus does know what Jesse's doing, and he's warning Walt that if he doesn't put a stop to it, it's going to be bad for both of them. So as far as this parallel then between um, Jesse, uh, between, between Jane's comments and Gus's comments then? What do you make of that? Because, I mean, Jane is talking about like what constitutes art, right? And art is not simply doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? I mean, the, the kind of definition of insanity, that would be more in line with what Walt is doing as far as going into business and working with Jesse as a 50-50 partner. Um, and Walt or Gus is saying, you know, don't make the same mistake twice. In other words, don't do the same thing 
you know, over and over again. There's like, there's not value in doing that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it might be a stretch to say that Jane is talking about how Georgia O'Keeffe's art is art because it's not simply like producing the same thing over and over again. That's pretty much the definition of what Walt is doing. And Gus's point, I think, is that Walt is doing it poorly in the sense that he's chosen his business partner unwisely. But I don't know. What, what else do you make of that parallel? It's possible that it's almost like a, like a reverse parallel. So Jane is talking about doing something over and over again for the sake of pleasure or something good or something that you interpret as good. And Gus is warning against doing the same thing over and over again um, because it could result in something negative. So I think that they're almost, it's almost like Gus is talking about Walt going down a path that is like destructive. So you could say the same thing of a, of a drug addict, like that they keep using and using and using because, and, and that's ultimately destructive. So that would be a cause for a warning. Whereas Jane's is more of like a cause for, um, it's not exactly celebration, but she is sort of celebrating the art of George O'Keefe. So it's almost like they're, they're opposites, but parallel, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. Um, at the risk of, uh, or, or to, to prevent the risk of us spending too much time on this theme, maybe we can let it marinate a little bit and we'll go back to the two minute summary, talk about that, give it a grade and we'll move on. All right. So Abiquiu, two minute summary. Skylar gets the first of Hank's hospital bills and concerned that the money they use to pay them absolutely cannot be traced back to Walt's illegal activities, decides to get more involved in Walt's business affairs. Walt introduces her to Saul Goodman, but she is unimpressed by the investment Saul has lined up and by Saul himself and has a better idea. Jesse, meanwhile, is still trying to peddle the meth he has been skimming at the lab and fed up with Badger and Skinny Pete's reluctance to sell to his, parentheses, Jesse's rehab group, decides to sell to Andrea, a new member at their NA meeting. He ends up in a relationship with her and refuses to sell her meth when he finds out she has a six-year-old son. At the hospital, Marie is thrilled at the prospect of Hank's returning home but he adamantly refuses to leave the hospital until he can walk. That, by the way, is a really sad scene. I really really feel bad for Marie there. Continuing on with the summary, Walt's employer Gus invites him to dinner and dispenses sage advice. (laughs) (laughs) Jesse discovers that Andrew's little brother was the kid who shot Combo, and that is a pretty devastating revelation when Jesse finds that out. Okay. Um, That last part was was my editorial. Uh, It ends with the kid who shot Combo. Okay, so, Josh, what do you think of of this summary? What grade do you give it? Oh, it's okay. It's, it's solidly in the middle for me. I, I give it a C. It's, it's strangely written at times. Like the first sentence seems like a run on sentence. Uh, one of the sentences he read, the one about Saul has lined up and by Saul himself doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> I, maybe I'm, maybe I'm now teetering on it. it's like a C minus here, but I do think it does touch on the, the bigger points. Um, although it does weirdly leave out the, the thing that comes before the credits, which is what we already talked about with Jane and Jesse. So that was strange too. So I would give it a C minus. How about you? Yeah, I would say a D plus. Uh, yeah, I mean, just great. semantics alone, terrible. You, you mentioned that long sentence in the beginning. It says that Skyler is concerned that the money they use to pay them absolutely cannot be traced back to Walt's Ill- illegal activities. That doesn't make any sense. She's not concerned that the money can't be traced back. She's concerned that it can be traced back. And right. We, they, the, the author of this sentence uses they and them to refer to two different entities. Very confusing. And then you already mentioned the Saul and Saul himself sentence. Also very confusing. Uh, I love the dispensing sage advice. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. So lots of missed opportunities to draw out some deeper things here and just a terribly written paragraph overall. So D plus C minus for you. Uh, not great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Enough great. said. Let's move on. Um, so we already did your best writing. 
Let's go to my best writing and then we'll, we'll go to best scene. So for my best writing, I like the Skylar Walt dialogue here. And there's just a small portion of it that I want to play. But this, this follows on the heels of Skylar expressing her concerns to Walt about how they need to um, basically work to make sure this, this money is laundered professionally. Right. I never actually got around to filing the papers. Married couples can't be compelled to testify against one another. So there's that. So obviously, Walt Wright was saying, we're divorced. And there was like this long pause, and he's like, right? And finds out that they're not, they're not actually divorced, because even though he signed the papers, Skyler never filed them. Um, really interesting here for a couple of reasons. One, this conversation, of course, is at the heels of Skyler basically suggesting that she become the accomplice who runs the car wash and helps launder the money. This is when Walt's like, no, you absolutely can't do that. We're divorced. I'm trying to keep you out of this. And she says, no, we're not divorced. We're actually still married. Married couples can't be compelled to testify, et cetera. Um, I also like how at the end she says, so there's that. Uh, so there's that is one of my commonly said phrases. I don't know if you've ever heard me say it, Josh, <laughs> but I say it quite a bit. Um, and uh, I just like that Skyder says it here. Uh, yeah. I also think this is one of those inflection points in the, in the, in the season more broadly, in the arc of the season, Skyler becoming a, a no kidding accomplice um, I don't even know the, the criminal, uh, criminal law terms of this, but before she was like an accomplice, I guess, by like knowledge, I, I don't know what the, what the term would be, but she's not actually like doing action. She's an accomplice by her inaction, I guess. And she knows about it and isn't telling the authorities she's letting it happen. But now she's actually about to become a, an accomplice in action, you know, doing things to actively cover up the source of the money, um, and, and launder the money, obviously illegally. So I think this is really interesting, and it'll it'll change the dynamic of Walt and Skyler for the for the foreseeable future. Um, so I really like this this scene for that reason. Yeah, no, it's a it's a great scene, and and I think that you know it's just another example of Walt sort of being blindsided by the fact that he thinks that he knows what's best, and Skyler's a grown adult; she can make her own decisions. And I think what Walt doesn't like about it is that he doesn't control what's going on you know like although if you think about it you know we're going to talk in a second about our best scene which is the same thing but Saul suggests that they buy another place to launder their money and it's Skylar's decision or suggestion I suppose that they buy the car wash where Walt used to work and um you know it's surprising that he doesn't like this more now I know he doesn't want to get her involved but seemingly he should be able to trust Skylar more than he can trust some random person who has probably ulterior motives to being a criminal or invested in a criminal, you know, pursuit. So I'm a little surprised that, and maybe I will see that he comes around to it at some point, but, you know, it's a little interesting that he doesn't sort of get more interested in this idea that she could potentially be the mastermind behind the laundering. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, I will just say that Skyler's a pretty darn good accountant and yeah yeah uh, and we'll see more of that I think as time goes on it's also a lesson segueing here to our best scene nominations it's also a lesson that Saul Goodman learns pretty quickly and I know we both picked this for our best scene I just absolutely love pretty much everything about this scene where Skyler meets Saul for the first time this happens prior to the conversation we just heard between Skyler and Walt and so um, Skyler basically says I want to meet the person who is making sure that this money is not traceable back to the drugs. 
And Walt's like, okay. And so they're sitting in Salgaman's office. It's just quite a scene. Uh, Saul's normal clientele are not people who, um, I guess, gives uh, give Skyder the warm fuzzies that they're dealing with a professional, uh, a legal professional here. And then they go in and meet him. And Saul is just laying it on really thick, right? Like just telling Skyder how beautiful she is and saying that like the real mystery is how Walt ever was able to marry Skyler and all this hilarious stuff. He tries to give her the uh the little lesson with um what was it like pencils and uh jelly beans jelly beans yeah pencils and jelly beans like explaining how to launder and she was like actually i'm an accountant Uh, i understand how this all works and so there's this really funny um really funny exchange and then it's capped off with this hilarious laser tag piece uh we declared just enough so as not to arouse suspicion then walt's one-time winnings become seed money for an investment investment in what Drum roll, please. Wait for it. Laser tag. <laughs> Laser tag. 7,000 square feet of rollicking fun in the heart of Northern Bernalillo County. Laser tag? Yeah, there's guns and glow lights and kids wear the vests. And yeah, no, no. I, teams. Right. No, no, I actually, I know what it is. It's just that in relation to Walt, it's, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Makes more sense than you two being together. I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. Do you even know Walt? I mean, how would he, of all people, buy a laser tag business? It, it, it doesn't add up. It adds up perfectly. Walt's a scientist. Scientists love lasers. I mean, it can't get any more perfect <laughs> than that, Josh. That's like someone who does the bare minimum amount of work to be <laughs> like, what does this profession have anything to do with this? And it's like scientists and lasers. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly. like being like you should you should be a chef because you once ate food. Yeah, or it's like you know this person's a painter. Uh, they're gonna get cupcakes because they like decorating. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah. it's I, pretty. I, just, I mean, it leads to great dialogue. I mean, that's just that's just perfect from Saul. I just love how this is. I mean, it, it seems like Walt doesn't. He certainly doesn't always buy uh, buy Goodman's by Saul Goodman's BS, but he does more often than not. I think. Uh, Skyler just isn't having any of it. Just total, like none of the charm works on her. I just love it. She's like she's like the Saul Goodman Teflon. You know, he yeah. just he tries to lay it on thick. Does not does not work with Skyler at all. I, I think it's hilarious. Yeah, what I like about the scene too is is to that point, it's like it's almost as if you know you think about a teenager bringing bringing their boyfriend or girlfriend to meet their parents, and it's like you really hope they make a good impression, and and you couldn't sort of see Walt like. Is, is he is Saul gonna make a good impression? And he starts off badly by being like, "I'm gonna teach you how to how laundering money works." And Walt's like, "Oh gosh, this is not going well." <laughs> yeah. And it just gets worse and worse from there. And it, it's it's an interesting dynamic because to this point, you know, we the audience have seen Saul as an intelligent, smart person because he's helped Walt. But introducing another character who does not buy any of his BS is an interesting way to sort of shift the audience's perception a little bit that maybe he doesn't always have the best ideas. And so I think that's another good way to present a character or to change your perception is by showing how, how they interact with another character or a different character. And by, by introducing Skylar here to Saul, you sort of see a different side of, of Saul Goodman. Yeah, totally agree. And I'm sorry if I seem a little distracted there. I was just reminded of the fly because I have this little mosquito flying around my office. Uh, and now it's really bugging me. He's now flown in front of my computer screen like three times. Uh, and yeah, it's I, I feel like Walt in the fly or fly. All right, Zach, don't don't 
uh, stay up all night. I won't. Make sure you get some sleep. I won't. I'll try not to Maybe let this affect me too much. You know, mosquitoes, they're a little easier to catch than flies. So hopefully you can smack that one Th- down. This one is pretty Grab slow moving. I'm just afraid of clapping yeah. it. I don't want to get the, uh, the clap on the mic here since oh, yeah. we're trying to record. So I'll just exactly. go after it. You know, Sally, I'll wake up tomorrow morning, come down here, and I'll, <laughs> I'll be still here. I'll have, you know, wrapped stuff in saran wrap, trying to make mosquito swatters. It'll be crazy. She'll be like, here's your coffee. Don't <laughs> yes. ask what's in it. <laughs> and I'll be like, Sally, um, there's, yeah, a, so- there's a contaminant. <laughs> How can I record a podcast when there's a contaminant? <laughs> exactly. He could buzz in front of the microphone. <laughs> It'll be ruined. Uh, Zach, we're making podcasts, not spaceships here. That's right. Uh, that's a good reminder, Josh. Thank you. I won't go down yeah. the same dark path that Walt did. Exactly. Okay. No, I, I totally agree with your, uh, your commentary on the dialogue there. It's good. Uh, and yeah, it turns out Saul Goodman's ideas are not always unimpeachable. He has some bad ideas as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Let's talk best moment here. Uh, for me, I like, uh, let me first talk about honorable mention because it ties to what you just talked about. So after uh, Skylar expresses her extreme skepticism towards Saul's laser tag plan, she counterproposes the car wash, right? And, uh, and Saul points out to Walt that you need a Danny. And I don't know if this is like a term. I'm, I'm not a money launderer, so I don't know if, if Danny is like an accepted term, but at least it's Saul's term. And, Sky- and Walt's like, what's a Danny? And Saul explains that a Danny is basically an accomplice who can run the books for you, who can run the business for you, who can make sure that the money uh, gets slipped in in a more or less, um, you know, concealed way. And uh, then Walt relays this to Skyler and says, you know, he says we need a Danny. And Skyler goes, what's a Danny? And Walt just doesn't miss a beat and explains it just like he knew what a Danny was all along. And he's like, <laughs> a Danny's an accomplice and explains, you know, what a Danny does. It's pretty hilarious. Um, you want to know what my, my naivete is here? I thought that it was literally someone named Danny who ran the laser tag place. So <laughs> that goes to show you how much I know about money laundering, which is none. I mean, I guess it's true. It could be like there could, could be, be a Danny who runs the laser. T- I mean, again, I don't know. I don't know if this is an accepted term or I don't know if this is just like, Saul has a guy named Danny who serves right. in this role in several money laundering operations. It's not clear, um, but but it's pretty funny. Like, you need to either Danny. are plausible. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, my actual best moment is this realization that Jesse has at the end that Tomas, Andrea's ten year old brother, is the kid who kills uh, or who has killed Combo. And this happens in a conversation where Andrea is talking about her little brother Tomas and how she does not want this to happen. She does not want her six year old boy to turn out like her ten year old brother. They gave Tomas a gun. Gave him a choice. Him or some dude. So he did it. And the so he did it, of course, is he killed Combo. So um, Jesse asks more questions. Like, you know, where did this happen? She tells him. He asks another clarifying question. You mean like over by the train tracks where Combo was killed? When did this happen? And so he figures out this is the kid who shot Combo. Um, and the interesting thing is we're finding this out as the audience at the same time. We don't know who Andrea's little brother is. We don't know it's Tomas. We saw Tomas when he killed Combo, but we don't know that's Andrea's brother. And so as Andrea's talking, we're putting it together as well. If we're seeing it for the first time, at least. And, uh, and I like, I've talked about this before. I like these moments where the audience is placed in the same cognitive frame of mind as the character, because you have the same limited knowledge that they do. You don't know any more than they do. And you're finding out as, as they learn it. And I doubly like this because this is jesse's romantic interest i mean this this poor guy can't catch a break of course he falls in love with jane jane uh overdoses and then dies because of walt's inaction walt was only there to you know to uh you know have jane accidentally move jane onto her back because of his involvement with jesse and now jesse finds finds this new love interest and it turns out 
her little brother is the one who killed one of Jesse's best friends when his friend was slinging meth for him. So um, this poor guy can't catch a break, and it's a uh, it's a dark moment uh, of the show, and, it, and it's just interesting because it dawns on us at the same time, more or less, that it dawns on Jesse. It's mostly sad too because this whole relationship with Andrea was was started because Jesse was going to try to sell her some of the meth after he became sort of fed up with Skinny Pete and Badger's inability to do so at rehab. And, you know, like, it, it, it's just one of those things where Jesse can't catch a break. Yes, that's true. But a lot of it seems to be brought on by his poor decisions. Like, he could have, I mean, he didn't, I don't, I don't mean that in the sense that, uh, you know, he shouldn't date people in rehab. But the fact that he was trying to date her only because he wanted to sell her meth was, was pretty messed up. And pretty it was kind of like, yeah. yeah and, and, you know, when she finally says yes, he then turns her down because as we know from, from Peekaboo, one of the episodes in season two, Jesse has a soft spot for kids. And when he finds out that Andrea has a six-year-old son, he's like, no way. Like, what kind of mom are you? Which is another like tough conversation to listen to. I almost picked that as my best writing you know, when she's like, what do you know about me? Like, I would do anything for my son and I'm not going to let him turn into my brother, which is then what leads into this. So, you know, like Jesse, he's just leads a sad life and it's just a, it's hard to watch. You hope that there's some, some sort of redemption for him at some point in the series. Yeah. Uh, I almost picked that as best writing as well, because it was what Jesse was like, what kind of mom are you? I was like, that's the Jesse that we know is buried down deep in there, right? So when, right. He, when he says, like, in his rehab group, when he says, I'm the bad guy, and then he tries to act like the bad guy, we know that's not really in concordance with Jesse's nature. Now, maybe his nature, right. be- his, his conscience becomes seared enough and his nature becomes hardened so that he eventually becomes that way. But that's not the real Jesse, you know, as, as we at least met him in the beginning of the show. The real Jesse is the one who takes care of the kid in Peekaboo. The real Jesse is the one who falls deeply in love with Jane and, you know, can barely handle her death. The real Jesse is this one who's like, what kind of mom would do math when her kid's coming home in two hours? Yeah. Well, my best moment in this episode is it's more of a lighthearted moment, but it is when Jesse and Skinny Pete and Badger are at rehab and they sort of have a moment where they uh, uh, quote unquote meet each other for the first time. Hey, sup? My name's Jesse. Well, hello. My name is Brandon. And this is, I believe, Peter. Hi, I'm Peter. How are you? This is, I believe, Zach, and uh, I am Josh. I, no, it, I would like be, this... it would be Zachary and Joshua, because it's, <laughs> Zachary it's, and Joshua. it's yeah, not exactly. Skinny Pete, it's Peter. Yeah, exactly. What I like about this, this moment is, other than the fact that it's humorous, is that they're not particularly close to anybody else. And then Jesse no. sort of motions them maybe like three feet away. And then they have a full on conversation about selling meth to I these the same uh, thing. people in rehab. Exactly. But the other thing too is you pointed out in the last episode when we first saw Skinny Pete and Badger trying to uh, peddle the meth to, to the people in rehab that they did a pretty good job acting. And this is particularly bad acting. Like it would be unbelievable to anybody watching them quote unquote meet for the first time to believe that they didn't actually know each other. So their acting skills have deteriorated rather quickly. Very good point. Yeah. They went from like A-list actors to like C-minus list actors. <laughs> I did also want to ask, like they, Jesse asked them later why they're still there if they're not going to try to sell the math. And they say, yo, we're on the up and up. Yeah. And, and uh, Skinny Pete says, I'm on, I'm on step five, man. 
And what's interesting about that is earlier in the episode, we found out that the only meth that they had sold was that Badger had sold Skinny Pete what they call a teenth, whatever that means, uh, a very small amount, I believe. And so I'm not really sure how he's on step five, because that seems to be, you know, if he's just have done, have, if he has just done the teenth of meth, then clearly can't be on step five, but that whatever. does seem um, a little ambitious. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he, exactly. He's advanced Unless very he's quickly. quickly. Yeah. A teenth so is exposing he, my ignorance as well. I think a teenth is a teenth of an ounce. Okay. Got I it. I think I'll, I'll do some, uh, some digging while you tell me about your nits to pick though. Let me, before I get in my nits to pick, I do want to give one honorable mention in terms of best moment. It's a very, very small moment, but right after the credits roll, we see Hank in rehab for the first time. And what you see before you see him sort of doing his rehab, which he struggles uh, very mightily with, is you see two legs just dangling. And for a split second, you think this could possibly be someone who's committed suicide because that's exactly what it looks like. It's like someone who's hung themselves almost. But really what you find out is that it's Hank who's being lowered down onto his sort of rehab um, machine here with the help of the nurses. And they're sort of supporting him with a, almost like a, a, a sort of like, I don't know what, what you would call that, like a, a I don't know. I don't know. Either. Some sort yeah. of like strap or something around his, his uh, legs and his waist. But to basically support yeah. his weight while he tries to place some weight on his legs. Exactly. That's, that was a succinct way of saying what I was yeah, well, struggling I, to I say. I still have no idea what it's called, but yeah. Yeah. So um, anyway, I just thought it was an interesting visual moment because there's so much about the show that y- you wouldn't be surprised if someone committed suicide. There's a lot of like darkness in the show and a lot of people who are struggling and and I just thought it was an interesting image to show that that's not out of the realm of possibility for any of the characters we know, which is which is a sad thing to say. Now, it obviously wasn't that, but I think it was done deliberately. So that was my honorable mention for for my best moment. That's a good one. Um, yeah, let's go nits to pick. I see you have nothing written down because you like to surprise me. I, I will just nothing written mention, down. I'll mention yeah. my couple real quick, and they're related to each other. Uh, they both have to do with Andrea and Jesse's rela- uh, relationship and conversation. And um, Andrea's describing the story of her brother Tomas, and she says, she says gangs run this whole neighborhood. Like, like there's just like rampant gang violence, no law <laughs> enforcement. Like gangs are just in charge of the neighborhood in Albuquerque. Now, I've never been to Albuquerque. It could be that way in Albuquerque, but I'm a little skeptical of the whole like gangs run this whole neighborhood narrative. Seems a little bit overblown. It's possible what? one of the gang leaders is on the city council, mm, not out of yes. the realm of possibility. The corruption goes or at all the least way that up. They have, at least they have uh, someone uh, friendly on the city council or something like that. Could be. Maybe so. It's the only thing I can think of that would make that <laughs> make sense at all. It's, it's possible. Again, I've never been to Albuquerque. Maybe it is really bad. We'll have to have a listener from Albuquerque weigh in. Uh, yeah. Second thing is, how is Jesse so unfamiliar with the tactics of a basic drug exchange? And by the way, speaking of drug exchanges, I did confirm 18th is a 16th of an ounce. So okay. uh, more often called, according to... Uh, the internet, a teener. So if you hear a teener, a teener. or a okay. teenth, those are the, the same thing. Okay, so, I mean, Jesse goes and meets Tomas, and he buys a, I think he buys a teenth, right? I think he says He a buys teenth. a teenth, yeah. Yeah, he buys a teenth. 300 from, bucks. For three, which is crazy. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money for a sixteenth of an ounce. So uh, there are 16 ounces in a pound, of course. So a pound will be 16 times 16 times 300. Uh, I'll do the math in a second. I can't do it in my head, but... Um, so he does this, he buys it from Tomas and then uh, he, Tomas then like waves to the car with two guys in it. The car comes up and uh, he gives them the money and then they drive away and Jesse's like, hey, as in like, he's like, you're just not going to give me the drugs. 
without even realizing that the kid could be behind him with the drugs. And of course he was. So the kid takes the teenth out of his pocket. And by the way, at that price, $300 a teenth, the street value of a pound of meth is $76,800. Which is interesting because I think it was a couple episodes ago where Jesse sort of calculated the amount that that they thought that the meth was selling for, and it was much less than that, I believe. I think they, they calculated around $40,000 per pound. So if you extrapolate that out, the however much money per uh, pound, you might recall that Jesse and Walt produced 200 pounds a week for Gus. Yep. So 200 pounds a week, that's 52 weeks, that's $798 million a year in drug money if they can move it all. That's crazy. That's insane, yeah. I don't know what the accuracy is, you know, in terms of actual uh, drug manufacturing and moving in the United States, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, I guess it explains why Jesse was surprised at the rate, too. He was like, for a teenth? You know, he was surprised <laughs> that it was $300, but yeah. So he's still I just mad thought, he's only getting a million and a half from Gus. Exactly. I was just surprised that Jesse was so clueless about how this exchange might work. You know, he, he just thought that it was easy. It was going to be like he handed the money to the guys in the car and they handed the drugs. But obviously the tactic is to uh, improve your chances of, you know, defending yourself successfully in court. You separate the money from the drugs. So no sure. one can ever prove there was an exchange money for drugs. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, my only nit to pick in this episode is I just don't entirely understand how Jesse is so good at uh, wooing uh, the ladies because it's not as if he's he's unlikable. He's very uh, charismatic, I think, but Jesse does not strike me as a traditional uh, Rico Suave, if you will. He, he's very uh, kind of a little bit squirrely looking, got a lot of tattoos, kind of skinny. You know, I just don't understand how he 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 quickly gets. Andrea to commit to, uh, you know, being with him in a romantic way. Very, very strange. Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to psychoanalyze, but Andrea's <laughs> obviously been through a lot. Sure. And if you look around, you know, if you look around um, their Narcotics Anonymous meeting, yeah, um, there's probably not a not too many guys there that she sees as like eligible bachelors. I mean, she can't. I can't imagine she looks at Skinny Pete or Brandon and is like, well, you know, they could be they could be a suitable <laughs> suitable matches. partner. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jesse, like compared to the people in that room, is probably like more one of the more clean cut, well spoken ones. Um, he has said some things in the room that are like kind of compelling. I don't think we know if Andrea heard him say anything, you know, publicly to right. the group. But I don't know. I think that if you're uh, if you're if you're down in your luck, you've had a tough life, you're uh, you're in recovery, you have a six year old kid, you're probably going to be more willing to. Well, I guess it could go either way, but I could see someone being more willing to like open up their life to a stranger who expresses interest and seems like a sure. a relatively well-intentioned person who's also trying to be on the straight and narrow, et cetera. Yeah. But, but in general, I agree with you. Yeah, I'm surprised she didn't uh, opt for a date with, with Peter. Peter, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder what Peter's last name is. Skinny Peter. Peter Skinny. Skinny Peter, yeah. Um, that was the right. only nit to pick that I had in this episode. All right, fair enough. It's time for MVP votes. MVP votes, then Josh. Who do you give yours to here? Yeah, I, the, you know this one was pretty spread out. Lots of different people had moments in this episode, but I have to give it to Skylar for this one. And I think it's a lot to do with the fact that uh, she really drives the plot forward most here. She is the one who suggests to Walt that they buy the car wash. She suggests to Walt that she get involved. And I think that she sort of holds her own with uh, some of the heavier hitters. So she is going to get my MVP vote. How about you? 
Uh, I'm going to give it to the guy in the passenger seat of the car when Jesse brought <laughs> just just kidding. No, I'm going to be boring and also give it to Skylar. Uh, I just love the she's she's not in that many scenes. She's, I think, in with the first conversation with Walt, the conversation with Saul, the car wash conversation and then the second conversation with Walt. So it's only four scenes, but but she she really kind of dominates them when she's in it, especially the Saul Skyler scene. I think it's just it's just the best scene in the whole episode. Um, yeah. And to go toe to toe with Bob Odenkirk's Saul Goodman character and come out you know, tied or ahead is, I think, a really impressive thing to do. So I'm going to give it to Skyler uh, and a gun as Skyler. Yeah, I will. I will. I will say that that all makes sense. I do also want to say, Zach, before we wrap up this episode, we are exactly halfway through our podcasting of Breaking Bad. It's gone so fast. It's crazy. I mean, for a while there, we were not doing it very regularly. But now that we're on this weekly schedule, we're just powering through. Yeah. So that means we have 31 episodes left to to talk about. And I think it'll be exciting. Season four and season five really get exciting. Yeah. On that note, actually, just last episode, we were talking about that definitive list uh, on the ringer of the best Breaking Bad episodes. And if you look at the list, most of the ones in the upper echelon there are from seasons four and five, which is just a testament to what we've talked about on the show before, how it has this intentional, I think, slow build. And so, like, you know, my sister-in-law just watched the the pilot of Breaking Bad uh, last week and hated it. And I was like, you got to stick with it, right? Because it starts out slow. It starts out, maybe some would even say boring. Uh, not a lot of interesting things going on. Not a lot of interesting character development. But you just got to stick with it because it's that it's the sort of banality of evil that we've talked about, the slow build. And so we're about to get into some really exciting stuff in, se- in seasons four and five. And I can't wait to dive in. That's right. All right. Did we get everything for Ab? What is it? Abiquiu? We Abiquiu. 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 Did we get everything for Abiquiu, Josh? think we got everything all right well if we miss anything breaking pod at vernacular podcast is how you reach us reach out if you're from albuquerque let us know one if we pronounced abiquiu correctly and two if it's true that gangs run entire sections of the city of albuquerque we'd love to hear your feedback on that so uh reach out breaking pod at vernacular podcast.com and we'll be back next week with the next episode season three episode 12 until then i'm zach and i'm josh have a great week